Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We're excited to talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Acts chapter 17, and this is a, a chapter full of gold. Yeah, lots of stuff, as is every chapter of the Bible, all gold. There you go. <laughs> Some of those genealogies are doozies. They're yeah, important, that's true. but they're doozies. Um, so as we look at this, Bobby and I were talking as we read it, and there are just a number of main thoughts that pop up while we're reading. So we're mm-hmm. going to start at the beginning of the chapter, work our way to the end of the chapter, and just point out a few of the verses that stick out to us. And as always, we would like to hear what you think. So post online mm-hmm. what verse stuck out to you and why. Mm-hmm. So first up, Bob, what we got? Yeah, well, one of the first things in Acts 17 that kind of stuck out to us was how literally as the church is kind of forming and Paul and Silas and um, others are are around evangelizing, doing their thing, how it's just a hodgepodge of people. And so when you read um, chapter 17, verse 4, it sounds like this. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. <laughs> so it's just kind of um, just an eye-opener as you're reading it. Now the gospel me- message is reaching um, out. Holy Spirit is doing his thing. And so you have Jews that are, you know, their eyes are opening up and you have these Gentiles who have worshiped idols. You know, they care about um, kind of the human body and that's kind of where their intellect goes. Well, their, their understanding their you know, these people are becoming God fearing people and it's not just for men, it's for women too. And so that was kind of an eye opener just right away. Like, okay, the gospel is mm-hmm. starting to get to the ends of the world. And, and that's where I really appreciate Emmanuel and where we're at. Um, yeah. be, because when you look at our congregation, you literally see the kingdom of God here because that's us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a whole hot mess group of people. Mm-hmm. We have people from <laughs> yeah. all different backgrounds, different languages, different beliefs. Mm-hmm. and Different ages. Yeah, different yeah. ages, multiple generations. It's beautiful. It's messy and it's beautiful. And that's a picture of the church as we see in Acts. Mm-hmm. And definitely something not to take for granted. It's yes. like, man, that's such a gift to be able to, we're, we're missing worshiping with you guys. So we're looking forward to that, um, as the day slowly comes when we can all be back together. But, yeah. um, yeah, like you said, just a beautiful picture. And, and why we continue to worship, uh, together, but also apart, we want to encourage you to be a student of the word and why we teach and preach. And obviously so many other pastors and teaching are accessible right now. Mm-hmm. Be it, Oh, bless you. Sorry. Be a good student. And and, mm-hmm. so, and look at our sources and, and mm-hmm. see, like, wait a second, is what Clark said is true? Is he reading that correctly? And mm-hmm. is Ken reading that correctly? And is any other teacher, you have to have this lens, a filter, where you interpret the Bible with the Bible. Mm-hmm. That kind of leads us with the next point, and that comes in verse 11. Mm-hmm. I'll read it to you. It says, Now the Berean Jews were more of noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness. And examine the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Mm-hmm. And I love that. They've got a filter. They're going, okay, Paul, bring it. He's, he's trying to connect Jesus as the Messiah to Old Testament prophecies. And they're giving him their ear. But when they go home, they're revisiting the scriptures to make sure it's accurate. And uh, it's funny. The other day, Mike Kim texted my uncle Ken and I. And he goes, hey, which one of you preached on 1 Corinthians 12? And I was like. Why? It, it, if they if they liked it, it was definitely me. 
if they're mad about it, it was definitely Uncle Ken. And, um, but in all honesty, oftentimes we'll get feedback from sermons. Most of the time it's helpful. Sometimes it's constructive criticism, and sometimes it's just silly. And that's helpful, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes. And um, with that, we want we want you to be good students of the Word and ask questions and, and, and hold us in check, and that's mm-hmm, good. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is you have to go back to your sources. Like, wait a second, is, is this in the Bible? Mm-hmm. Um, there are tons of sayings out there that sound like they should be Scripture and are from the Bible, but mm-hmm. we have to check the sources. Where is that found? And one of them is this, and I want you to try to fill in the, the blank at the end here, okay? God helps those who help... Oh, yes, themselves. Themselves. Wait a second, where... <laughs> what Bible... Book of the Bible mm-hmm. is that in? That sounds like mm, a proverb. The Gospel Proverbs of Tha- 55. Thaddeus, no. <laughs> chapter 29. No, it's not in the Bible. But that's no. one of those things that's taught and spoken that's like, yeah, God helps those who help themselves. That comes from prosperity gospel right. where it's like, you know, if you're doing good, then God will bless you. Mm-hmm. And that's just not true. So in that, when you're like, wait a second, that sounds that sounds good, but you line it up with God's word, and actually it doesn't line up at all. Just kind of one of those Christianese. It, yeah, it sounds like, like no, a Christian statement. Superficial. But, so when it comes to the Bible, line it up. But even right now in our day and age, there's so mm-hmm. much happening right now. And with social media, there are so many um, messages, uh, promotions, advertisements, Articles. propaganda, whatever you want to call it. There's a little bit of everything. Check your sources and... Where are they coming from? What's yeah. their agenda? You get the picture there. Um, but yeah, there's more to this chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as we um, as we walk through the chapter, I'm looking at our notes here too. I don't think, what are we? Well, the word God-fearing comes up often. Oh, like yes. three, okay. four times I think we, we looked at and the God-fearing Gentiles and the God-fearing Gentiles and the God-fearing Gentiles mm-hmm, mm-hmm. comes up. Like what does it mean to be God-fearing? It means that you you care first and foremost about what God says, mm-hmm. what God thinks, God commands. So the question that I was asking myself is then, well, then how much do I fear God? And, and the fear of God is something we could take weeks to unpack. But, right. But how much do I care about what God says mm-hmm. and thinks and mm-hmm. commands? And how much do I care? How much weight does he hold compared to like the fear of man mm-hmm. or, or humanity? Right. That's kind of the the healthy fear. That's the fear of God. It's the healthy fear. And you see it in two extremes when you're reading chapter 17. So Paul is ministering to two such distinct groups of people. He's ministering to these Jews um, that have the law that they hold in such high esteem. And we definitely don't want to, you know, make them mad. But then we also have these Gentiles. We have some of these Greeks that, um, that literally, (laughs) it's so funny to read it. Um, I think it's verse 22 or 23 when Paul says he's walking around and he's looking carefully at all their objects of worship and they, they have made an idol, um, an altar with an inscription to an unknown God. And so they are living, um, they are living unto a totally different kind of idolatry. That's just like, Oh, whatever the world's doing, we're going with it. Any God, we literally have an idol to an unknown God, just in case we missed one. Mm -hmm. And so we have two such distinct people groups here. And the fear of God actually isn't their first priority with the Jews. It's their first priority is, Oh, we don't want to, we don't want to mess up the rules. 
And, and you see that. And, you know, they throw Jason out of his house in verse six and verse seven because he helped Paul and Silas. And he's they're totally throwing him to the ground saying, Jason, what are you doing? These guys are ruining the world. They're, you know, they're hip, they're uh, heretics. And then you have the, the Greeks doing the total opposite, saying, OK, let's just cover all of our bases and set up all these idols. And so I, that was interesting. Um when you read about the God-fearing people are the people that uh, Holy Spirit's moving in their hearts, and um, and they're the ones accepting this gospel message. And I think as you peel another layer back, um, their love and care for God is the motivation for their action. Mm, yeah. And that's something that Bobby and I have been talking about and unpacking right now, mm-hmm. because just with the, the, the current events of COVID, um, unemployment, riots, uh, social injustice, kind of the, the racial conversation and battle and all these other things that are on the table mm-hmm. there's um there's a lot of pressure mm-hmm. to speak or to say have an opinion about all those things and you need to have an opinion but if you pull the layer back it's what's the motivation right like why a, are you yes why are why? you saying what you're saying and why are, are we doing what we're doing mm-hmm. and here I our first lens, like we talked about the other day, is first and foremost Christ right. and his word. And so if I'm a God-fearing person, my prayer is that God, um, as I look at all these issues at hand, I want to know what you think about them. And right. Give me your eyes to see as you see. Mm-hmm. And I want your heart in these situations. And whatever your heart is, that's what I'm going to do, mm-hmm. regardless of what kind of reaction I'm going to get from from the men and women around me. Mm-hmm. So, Right, because we don't want to be just like robots, just changing our behavior because the wind is blowing. Exactly. You know, we want to, you know, we're praying, Holy Spirit, change our hearts here. And then out of this heart change now, um, change our actions and change yeah. our behavior. And yeah. so... Um, I'm kind of going to, I'll wrap up here with the main part that stuck out out to me was toward the end of the chapter. And I'm going to read it to you in the message version. And it's just a reminder, uh, Paul is telling these Greeks um, in Athens, I see all your idols, but let me tell you about the one true God. And I just love how he um, words this, uh, Eugene Peterson words this in the message. And so I'm going to read this um, in that message version. It's probably starting around verses 23. And this is Paul talking to, um, to to these Greeks that have all these idols. And they literally have an altar to an unknown God. And he says, let me tell you about the one true God. Here we go. So this is Paul speaking. Um, when I arrived here the other day, I was fascinated with all the shrines I came across. And then I found one inscribed to the God nobody knows. I'm here to introduce you to this God so you can worship intelligently. Know who you're dealing with. The God who made the world and everything in it, the master of the sky and the land, doesn't live in custom-made shrines or need the human race to run errands for him, as if he couldn't take care of himself. He makes the creatures. The creatures don't make him. Starting from scratch, he made the entire human race and made the earth hospitable, with plenty of time and space for living so we could seek after God and not just grope around in the dark, but actually find him. He doesn't play hide and seek with us. He's not remote. He's near. We live and move in him. We can't get away from him. One of your poets said it well. We're the God created. Well, if we are the God created, 
it doesn't make a lot of sense to think we could hire a sculptor to chisel a god out of stone for us, does it? That just stuck out to me. Just a little bit of a reminder about who God is, um, that God is that God is over all, that he uh, holds the world in his hands, that he created it, he created us, and um, and that he's he's so big and he's so good and, uh, and somehow he loves us in this. And so that's kind of what stuck out to me and, um, and Clark, as we read through Acts chapter 17. Um, thanks for listening. Yeah. And as we wrap up, just a couple of questions we'd give you again as one, I'm going back to verse four is celebrate the Lord's church. It's a hodgepodge group of people, Mm -hmm. Jews, Gentiles, men, and women. Uh, verse 11 um, examine the scriptures, mm-hmm. have a filter and, and check your sources. Mm-hmm. Uh, thirdly, what does it mean to be God fearing and what's the motivation for your speaking and mm-hmm. your acting? And lastly, like Bobby Jean just said so well, there's evidence of God all around. Mm-hmm. He's sovereign. He's in the midst of, of this, even when it seems sad and very chaotic, God's present. Mm-hmm. So know you're loved, uh, grateful to spend time with you today. Have a great weekend. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for services, feel free to tune in to erc.la. God bless you and have a great weekend. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you his peace. Have a great day.